Anecdotes for success. Level up with truth, meaning, trade-offs, perspective. All right, tonight we have guest Alex Green on, former NFL running back and Green Bay Packer. Alex, thanks for coming on. Well, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Appreciate yeah. it. Glad to have you. Sure. Uh, we're excited. Just just start telling your story, and, and we're going to ask questions along the way, and we'll have a great conversation. All right, let's do it. So um, I'm going to take you back to 2009 in the summer. This is right before I started my first camp at University of Hawaii. And uh, I just finished at Butte Junior College, uh, won a national championship in 2008. And, uh, you know, things was looking smooth, you know. Um, got a natty on my belt, you know, had a great season. Um, accomplished a lot of goals I had, um, but I was struggling academically. And so no schools really offered me a scholarship. And so I had a buddy, Demetrius Davis, that went to uh, a rival high school of mine. We kind of grew up together um, back in Portland, Oregon. And he, uh, he went to Hawaii first in December. He was a mid-year guy. And so he goes to Hawaii for a couple months and he, he, he fills his way in and he actually talked to the coaches to get me in. And so the coaches brought me in off, just off his word alone. And they flew me in for a visit and, uh, you know, they, they offered me a scholarship and they sent me back home and said, okay, well, go back to Butte and finish three classes, three online classes, and you'll be eligible to come in for the summer camp, start the season in the fall in 2009. I go back home to the classes. Um, you know, like my first real taste of top-notch adversity. And uh, I finished the classes, man. I passed them with B's and C's. And the lady who was supposed to post my grade, there's one lady left to post my grade. She didn't post it. And so I'm in Hawaii in the dorm, sleeping on the floor, waiting for this grade to get posted so that I could be officially eligible to get into the school. I think camp started three days, and I was – just sitting here in no man's land, trying to figure it out. I'm emailing this teacher, please send my, send my grades, send my grades. She didn't send She ended up sending it the last day, the last hour of camp. So I finally get into camp. Um, and here I am, finally on a big stage, you know, small you know, small city in Portland. I get to a big stage. I'm playing in D1. It was my, my dream since I was seven. And um, things are going good. You know, I was getting more carries than a running back at that time. He was All-American running back. But I was getting more carries. He just started every game, you know. Good player, but, you know, he just was a senior. I was a junior. So, season went great, man. Uh, ended up finishing that season, like, 500 yards rushing, a couple touchdowns. So, the next year, I knew, okay, this is my chance to really show out. I knew I was going to be the starter going to my senior season. I knew I only had one shot to make the thing happen. At this time, I wasn't even thinking about going to the league. I wasn't even really focused on it. I didn't even like the NFL, to be honest. After, like, like my senior in high school, I stopped liking the NFL. This didn't look fun to me. College football was the real deal. That was close. It was fun. The crowd was going crazy. Like everything was just, you know, Reggie Bush was playing. Like it was exciting. The NFL was just like, it just didn't seem as exciting to me at that time. So I was focusing on just, let me just finish my senior season out. Great, you know. I get to my senior season in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, right before spring ball, my best friend get killed. Um, Jamel Taylor, he gets killed in a car accident. And... My motivation just skyrocketed, you know, and I just, uh, at this time, I think that's when, like, a lot of drinking started, a lot of smoking started. Um, it was still somewhat manageable, but it definitely increased. 
and uh, just to deal with that pain. I know how really deal with losing the best friend. wasn't that close to death before um, at 22 years old. So I'm motivated. I'm driven. Going to my senior season and uh, have a great spring ball. Going to summer camp, a great summer camp. You know, first games go by. You know, play USC first game, great game. And the season just rolling. You know, uh, I ended up breaking a record um, against New Mexico State, 327 yards, 19 carries. Now, I'm going to brag, but, you know. It's pretty good. It's pretty <laughs> I, good. I would brag. I would brag. I'm bragging. I'm bragging. <laughs> but uh, but um, broke the record. You no, know, so now I'm like, okay, now I'm hearing the coaches talk about, hey, college scouts are starting to come to to the practices and check me out, or NFL scouts coming to the practice and check me out. And I'm still kind of staying humble and not really paying much attention to it, but I know it's there. I know it's a possibility at this point. Season go on, great season, over a thousand yards rushing. Um, and as soon as the season ended, we got a ball game against Tulsa. As soon as the season ended, I go home and I get my phone blow up from all these agents, right? And so I'm signing with an agent, Michael Hoffman. Um, Sign with him, you know, and, and, and go, go to the combine, go to the East-West Shrine game in Orlando, and go through the whole process, the whole draft. And I get drafted in the third round, 96 pick to the Green Bay Packers in 2011. I go to Green Bay um, after the lockout year, and, you know, life is just, uh, you know, it's a whole new world, right? And it's, a, it's a whole new ball game now. You know, your phone, you know, your phone is blown up. Everybody want to talk to you. You know, you're the man now, you know. And so that was a lot just in itself let alone the playing field, which I'll get to in a second, but just dealing with that pressure of just going from Joe Blow, who just an athlete, to now you big time and you're a running back. You know, running backs get all the glory. You know, running back in the field is a big deal. You know, you got you to gotta really have some have something to you. So a lot of hype, you know, going early pit, and you know, I come into a blazing. Got a great spring, uh, a preseason. You know, uh, everything was going great. You know, and then uh, there was a game against Minnesota, week seven. Um, that it was supposed to be my breakout year. That whole week of practice, we had plays set up where you know I was supposed to get all these carries and screens and draws and outside zones and all that. And the first kickoff, I go up the block and Randall Cobb get tackled into my leg, ACLs tore. Just like that, season done. So. That's when the drinking, and I'm hitting adversity again. Now the drinking is picking up more, the smoking is picking up more. But now I'm just going to the stadium for two, you know, two and a half hours, getting some treatment, getting to the ice tub, getting a little rub down. And I'm going home, you know, waking up at 10 o'clock. I'm out there by 12. And I want to go home and drink all day. You know, I play video games, I watch ESPN, you know, when the team would travel, you know, I'm at home for that whole weekend alone. And I was just drinking myself to misery, man, and, and, and uh, still trying to rehab and get myself together. But mentally, it was a lot. You know, still dealing with stress back home. People still wanting this and this, and you know, uh, dealing with the, the the fake friends. You know, and it was just hard for me to manage my life at that time. You know, about 23, almost 24 years old at this point. With twice a year, I'm in the NFL, not playing, but I'm here. I'm still getting paid, and I still got to take care of these outside responsibilities, and, and feel like I owe people something because I still made it. You know, and now I have free time to give it to them for a visit. So, um, season go the season goes on and ended. Go to the off season. Now I'm slowing down my drinking and smoking to get back healthy for the next season. And um, I do. I come back 2012. Uh, a science Benson, so I sat by him. He gets hurt. I get a big shot and gets the Colts. Have a big 47 yard run. You know, now I'm the guy again. You know, I'm hot on all the fantasy wires and all that. And 
feeling good again, feeling healthy. You know, my knee wasn't really 100%, but I'm still on the field playing and showcasing my skills. So I'm happy with that. I'm grateful for it. And again, the pressure hit again. Now, now I'm that guy again. And I just couldn't manage it. I couldn't figure out a way to balance my life between being a professional and still living this outside life of being cool and accepted and 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 and, and wanting to please everybody. You know, because... I thought I had it all figured out. No. Alex, to fail. Sorry, sorry no, to interrupt, but I, I'm fascinated by that. During that time, are you getting any support from the team at all? Is that like, uh, do they do they look at that and go, you know, th these things can happen. These guys got a lot of downtime and there's help available or is it just not, that's just not on the radar? That's a great question, Matt. So, so, so every Monday, once a week, they had a rookie premiere or a rookie, uh, like meetings that uh, give us a big notebook and it teaches about financial literacy, managing relationships, managing emotions, time management, you know, dealing with outside stress, you know, how to say no. There's all these skills. And, you know, you got the advice from the trainers, you got the Charles Woodson's, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, you got the, you got the guys, you know, that's in there to give you advice, being that that road, that experience, the same thing we experienced, but. It's just like going to class, you know, you hear a lecture from a teacher and take what it, what interests you. And I still had a lot of pride and a lot of ego. So a lot of those things, I figured, no, that's not my life. So I'm not going to listen to that part of it. I'm not going through that. So it must not happen to me. He's talking to the other guy, not talking to me. My life is different, you know, right? So I didn't really take in what I needed to um, at that time because I feel like everything, everything was good. You know, I didn't have no real issues. You know, so I just kept going on with it, man. And, and uh, I took in the advice that I that I thought I needed to apply to my life, like being a professional, coming in on time, you know, staying a little bit later, putting extra work in the weight room. But as far as the financials and managing relationships and how to say no to the fake cousins and whatnot, I couldn't manage it. I didn't know how to really play that role. You know, I was always like, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. Even if I didn't have it, I always said I had it. And so... You know, going through the season, man, it was just uh, it was a big game of balancing, you know, and I couldn't, I really couldn't balance it. You know, I stopped, I stopped having the drive to to support the family while I was focusing on football, and that created a big gap between relationships, even my kids, you know, my mom, my brothers, and all that. And so I focused more on football, man, and, and, and had my shot, and I'm still dealing with injuries, so that was stressing me out more. And I just couldn't really get myself together, really. I couldn't really fully block all the way in because I'm still dealing with the injury. I'm dealing with stress. You know, now I'm feeling bad because I'm not seeing my kids, I'm not talking to my kids as much, I'm not talking to my mom as much. You know, I'm not connected on a personal level, you know, and my foundation was rocky. So every time adversity came in, it was blowed away. And so um, I go through the season, man, they ended up releasing me uh, in 2013 after camp. They bring A. Lacey and Jonathan Franklin. They released me and sent me to the New York Jets. At this point, I'm 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 grateful, but I'm trying to get disconnected from the football world. You know, there was times at practice, man. Where I, I wasn't even excited to go to practice. Anymore. I hated going to practice. Like I hated it. Like I, I I dreaded going to work every day, as opposed to just a childhood dream from seven years old. Now I'm dreading to come here. I'm getting paid good money doing what I love. I still love it. I just I just hated what it all came with, and um. You know, so again, while I'm in New York, drinking, picking up, smoking, picking up, um, even on weekdays, you go from weekends after a game, 
or socially. Now it's just come to a, a, a three times a week type deal. And it's still somewhat manageable because I could stop when I had to on a Thursday in the great for a Sunday game. But right after the game, it picked back up on a Wednesday, it's back up again. Thursday, I'm going to down on Friday. So going through that whole process for the whole th 2013 season, you know, playing a back of rope behind Chris Ivan Blackout. I come in the next spring and uh, they bring in Chris Johnson, you know, they bring in Chris Johnson, Michael Vick, uh, every, all these greats to Rex Rollins on his last leg. And he knew that he had to win. You know, we still didn't win, but, you know, he he, he just knew that, you know, for bringing all these guys in, at least it looked good on him, like all these Pro Bowl players in here, you know. And so at this point, I know I'm going. I'm not going to play behind Chris Ivory, Plow Pow, you know, Chris Johnson, you know. So they had that guy set. And so I was going to camp, man, just, I didn't even care. You know, they had me on these pain pills, taking anti-anxiety pills, you know, but it wasn't that I had anxiety better because I just didn't care anymore. I was disconnected from the game and, and completely. And I knew I was going to be out of there at the camp anyway. And sure enough, they released me at the camp. And so now I go home, season over, I go home, and I'm drinking every day. You know, drinking every day, smoking every day, going into a deep depression, uh, living life unmanageably, man, and trying to figure out how to be this, you know, this, this, ex-athlete, ex-pro athlete at home and trying to pick back up where I left off with my kids and my family and just my outside social life. And I couldn't because I was drinking myself into a misery. And I woke up one day, hungover, and I called my agent and I said, hey man, call every team in the CFL and let's just see what happens, right? Because then I had the issue to go play again. I knew I wasn't done yet and I wanted to end things on my own terms. And I just wanted to give it a shot to see if I can still play. And if not, then it's not okay with at least trying. One team reached back out was the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, sent them, scratched up some couple of clips, you know, sent them my Hawaii highlight tape. So Hamilton fly me up and uh, I get through a workout. They fly me back in for uh, to be a camp, body in camp. I go up there for camp. And at this point, I'm just grateful. You know, I'm just grateful to be there. I'm grateful for the fellowship, the locker room, and all the little things that I took for granted at Green Bay, New York. I appreciated that much more when I was in Canada. Um, you know, staying late with the coaches, you know, all those little vices that the Aaron Rodgers and Charles Woodson gave me, I finally took notice of it because I seen the effects of it. I seen what it could do if I don't do it, right? It got me out of there. And so all those little things, right, um, you know, I just appreciated just being there, you know, working all their practice and, 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 and grinding out with the guys, you know, and seeing other guys, young guys come in, grinding, giving them advice, being that older mentor and getting knowledge from the coaches and understanding the game of football, you know, especially up there, new rules and all that. So I go through the camp, have a decent camp, you know, uh, and then end up releasing me. To my surprise, they released me. You know, I thought they're pretty good. So they released me and I go back home, right? Just like that, it's over. And so I get released in August and I'm at home from the end of August, September and October, drinking every day, trying to figure out life, you know, uh, smoking my life away, you know, back into the deep depression, this world, digging myself a hole, and I get a call back from Hamilton saying, we want to bring you back up. You know, so I'm like, okay, so I'm out of shape. You know, I've been drinking every day. It was a Thursday they called me, and they wanted me to be there on a Monday. So they bring me up on, uh, they bring me, they call me on Thursday, and they want me to come on Monday. So that whole weekend, I'm at the park, when the wind sprints, you know, until I pass out, I'm catching footballs left and right. You know, I'm out there having my brother kick punts to me and, you know, trying to get back into the football 
you know, drinking water every day, eating salad, trying to lose 10 pounds in three days, you know, like, so I go up there like, damn, they're going to be disappointed in me, man. I go up there out of shape and uh, put me on a practice squad. Stand up practice squad for about two weeks, you know, uh, and um, again, I'm still grateful, you know, and working hard and all that. And one day I'm at practice and the coach said, we're going to start you the next game. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I guess the running back got hurt, you know, he missed practice. And so I was starting the next game. So I go start in the game against BC Lions, not too far from my hometown, about six hours away, six hours drive. So my family got a chance to come up and see me play for the first time since playing in the NFL, which is awesome, right? So I played, I had 10 carries for 140 yards. I shut it down, right? I balled out, right? I went crazy. And I come back that next day, flew back in the next, the next meeting we had, I was then the starting running back. And they traded the other running back to somebody else. So here I am again, now I'm the guy, right? I'm the man now, right? I'm settling, like everything is good in the world. And I'm playing this where I love, and I'm doing everything right, the little things right. And again, I got it all figured out, right? So now I'm back, I'm back, you know, I'm still grateful, but now I got to figure it out. So now I'm back on my ego trip, you know, I'm feeling good, feeling prosperous. Season go by, I had a great first season. I come back to the next season. I break my hand the first game. Broke my hand catching Johnny Manziel's first touchdown pass. You know, no, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, that was his, that was when he came up there, and I yeah, caught his first that. touchdown pass. And so okay. uh, with a broken hand, so I missed the next six games. You no, know? and so but this time I know from dealing with my injury in Green Bay, I know what not to do. So I wasn't drinking as much, wasn't smoking as much. And I was just focusing on recovery. You know, I was getting better. You know, I was working out every day, getting in shape. So I had my chance to play, which I did eight weeks later. You know, I ended up having a great season. I had like 800 yards in eight games, like 12, 13 touchdowns. You know, I had a great – I finished the season perfectly. I go home. I re They called me back to re-sign. So in the offseason, I re-signed with Hamilton. They called back two weeks later and said, we're going to release you. Numbers game, and you only have so many Americans versus Canadians up there. And the new coach that came in wanted to have a Canadian running back, and so I was just basically asked out. So I'm like, okay, now what other team in the CFL was signing me? And now I'm at home again trying to figure it out. You know, I try to do coaching and training, and nothing really gave me that same passion that football did. You know, because now I found a love for it back that I lost when I was in New York. Now I got it back, you know, and I was doing great at it, you know. And I'm at home now trying to figure out my lane, man. I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do that brought me that same joy. And instead of dealing with those issues, I turned to liquor and drugs. That was my coping. That, that was how I coped, you know, was drinking and doing drugs. And that was a better part of two years where I'm trying to find my lane, man, and, and, and using everything I could to avoid real life issues, you know, real life stress. And uh, it took a toll on me, you know, like anything, you know, anything bad you're doing is going to take a toll. This one took a big toll on me. And, and I went down so far where my life became unmanageable for about four or five months where I couldn't, I literally couldn't manage it no more. You know, wasn't seeing the babies. Wasn't talking to my family. I was isolated. You know, even my closest friends that I grew up with, I wasn't talking to them. I wasn't answering my phone. I missed out on some great opportunities to connect with people and take on jobs. I'm just not answering the phone because I knew inside that I wasn't okay. And I didn't want to disappoint somebody, you know, got this big facade around me that everything is fine, but inside I was dying. You know, I was going through it and struggling. So there was one day my breaking point came. I was in my car drinking liquor, smoking weed, 
doing drugs, and I didn't care what the result was going to be. I didn't care if I died. I didn't care if I got arrested. You know, I didn't care if I just passed out in the car. It didn't matter to me. I wasn't asking my phone anyway, so it wasn't many people checking on me at this point. They just figured I was okay. And um, I remember just, 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 you know, with eyes full of tears, man, just calling my program manager from the NFLPA. Well, actually, I texted her. And for seven years, since I got done playing with the Jets, I thought her number was, a, was an office number. I know it was a cell phone, but I texted, giving myself an excuse, just saying, like, hey, I need help. But to me, it was just a way to say, hey, well, you asked for help, so go ahead and keep doing these drugs and keep drinking this liquor. You asked for help. You did all you could. You asked for help. You reached out to somebody. I thought it was an office phone, man. I was lying to myself. You know what I'm saying? So she ended up calling me back. I have a voicemail. I'm like, hey, I got your text message. Give me a call back. So I'm like, oh, shit, this is a real phone. <laughs> you know, now I got to deal with it. I called her back as I'm doing drugs and drinking. And she's like, hey, what's going on? You no, know, so we sat on the phone, man, for about an hour of me just venting to her. All the things I was feeling, all the depression, anxiety, and fear and doubt. And how my life became unmanageable and how I just kept doing them. I didn't know who I was, didn't know where I was, didn't know where I was going. And at some point in my life, I forgot where I came from. And she sat on the phone and she said, okay, we're gonna get you help. You know, like, just, just, and I'm on the phone, like, look, I'm drinking right now. I'm doing drugs right at this moment. And, and I'm just crying, you know, I just, I just couldn't handle it no more. It got too heavy. Um, hopped on the flight, man, went out there for 45 days, turned my phone in. Um, you know, I surrendered, I put my pride and my ego aside, and I decided that enough is enough. I had to get help. So I walked in there, man, with tears in my eyes, and I just got the help that I needed. And uh, where, where, where'd, you hop on, where'd you hop on a flight to? To Jacksonville, Florida. Gotcha. At, a, uh, at a treatment facility called Lakeview, Lakeview Health. And while I'm there, man, you know, the first 10 days was hell. You know, they would knock on my door and bring me the food. I couldn't go nowhere. I had no TV in there, which was huge. I had no phone, which was, which was huge. And I had to deal with myself, though. You know, I had to deal with myself for 10 days straight to detox and just go through the withdrawals, man, and just deal with all these issues, all these feelings in a real-life manner, being sober, you know, and really being in my head. You know, I didn't, I didn't know there was times where I didn't think I was going to make it out for 45 days. You know, I wanted to leave after those first 10. So I got out, um, and we did counseling sessions. You know, we did one-on-ones, we did group therapies, and I fellowship with other guys that was in other NFL, former NFL players that was in there. There were uh, construction workers, you know, there was pilots, you know, there were lawyers, there were doctors, all walks of life. We all shared the same struggle, <laughs> you know, so it didn't matter where we came from, what we did. We all shared the same common goal, you know, the same common interest that we was addicts and alcoholics, and we needed help. And so while I was in there, man, and, and talking to counselors every day, sometimes man, I have counselors come to my room at 11 at night because I needed it. I needed to talk to somebody and get all this shit off my chest, you know. And so um, I would talk to them. I was in there eating right. You know, I was, I was eating healthier. I was drinking water. You know, I was working out, um, you know, going to AA and CA meetings every night and just being a part of something that, it, it almost felt like training camp, you know, it was like, okay, getting prepared to go out into the game. You know, this is like a preseason for us, you know, we're going through our struggles, we're going to make our mistakes, you know, we got the proper help right here, but once you get out of here, now life starts. You know, now it's real life and use your training that you learn in treatment 
as your as your backup, you know, as your resources to go to. So that's how I approached it. I approached like a training camp, you know, 45-day training camp, man. When I got out, I went straight to Houston. Um, this is my daughter at she moved out here two and a half years ago with her mom. So I decided to come out here and, and, and uh, continue my sobriety uh, journey. You know, and I'm still going to meetings. You know, I'm still going to therapy four times a week. And, uh, you know, life has become more manageable now. You know, I'm 88, I'm 89 days sober today. And life is just like, I'm stronger mentally, I'm stronger physically. You know, I'm able to, I'm able to handle stress. You know, like life's still life. You know, things still happen, but I'm able to yeah. handle it and manage it more now. Yeah, I'm able to really take it in, process it, you know, and then deal with it on life's terms, not my terms. You know, and that probably was the, the biggest, the biggest thing for me, man, was just dealing with adversity in the right manner without using drugs and alcohol. Alex, uh, your your stories that's unbelievably interesting and and full of all sorts of I think lessons in it for for all sorts of people, whether you're experience something like you like you've gone through or not and and you know I know people have been through similar struggles and and fortunately I haven't but you know one of the things that I think is I can't help I gotta I, I'm sure everyone's wondering so you're going through this journey and 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 uh, you know your sobriety and and what why talk about it so openly you know what I mean like what what does it make it harder does it make it easier why why do it it, it it do make it easier. It do make it easier. The more I talk about it, the more it brings it to life for me, you know. And I keep my heaven and hell very close to me because I know how, like, man, seeing the seeing the look in my kids' eyes now, in my mom's eyes now, compared to just three months ago, four months ago, is night and day. And the pain they had, you know, seeing my mom cry, you know, seeing avoiding my kids' phone calls. Like, that's what keeps me sober. That's what keeps me going. You know, that's what keeps me, like, wanting to get better every day and deal with these issues, deal with these problems, man, and reach out. Because I, I remember there's a point of time where I, where I avoided everything that my life had to do with that wasn't for me. If it wasn't interested in me, if you wasn't benefiting me, I have no person. You know, it was me, me, me. All about me. Everything was about me. And so, me being that mindset, man, I messed up a lot of relationships, man. You know, I, I, I hurt a lot of people. You know, I destroyed a lot of things. And that's, the more I talk about it, the more it brings it to life. And it helps me remember how bad things were. So with the years you were going through your struggle and your substance abuse, looking back, that had to be so draining compared to the clarity and energy you have daily now. It was draining, man. It was, uh, it took a toll on me. You know, like I couldn't even, I couldn't even hop in the shower or go take a trip to run an errand without having a drink. Just to deal with talking on the phone. Just to deal with, you know, somebody calling me, just not even with a problem, just to have a conversation. You know, I just couldn't manage it, you know, and I couldn't, definitely playing football, and I couldn't manage the outside world. And I couldn't manage uh, talking to interviewers or, you know, people are reaching out to me for advice or just to say congratulations. Like, this guy came too much, you know, and I couldn't even call. I couldn't call home. I knew I was, I knew I thought I wasn't right. And so I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even figure out a way to, to have decent conversations because I was going to talk on, on positive and everybody saying how proud they are of me, but I'm disappointed in myself, you know, so I couldn't even accept 
their congratulations because I knew I wasn't living up to my means. I knew I wasn't living up to those standards. And I knew if I they would have knew or or if I would have told them, you know, it, they would have been disappointed in me. So in all, I just avoided everything that came my way. Alex, I'm curious, and maybe I don't know how much thought you've given this, but what do you think the the abuse maybe stemmed from? Was it, you know, you mentioned your best friend dying, and I think you said in 2009, I think, uh, you know, you were obviously under a lot of pressure. You're in a, the almost the most competitive environment that exists, a professional athlete, so there's that. You've got all these people you've referenced that you call them uh, – you're, I don't know, I think you said wannabe cousins or, or, or some of those, you know, you've got, you've got all these pressures, you've got all this glory in, in what that you reference as well. You're the man, you're not the man, there's, there's this, you have an injury. Was that, those are contributing factors or was this just, this, you know, there's construction workers out there, like you said, that have doctors and lawyers in every walk of life. Was this just destined to happen to you in some way? Was it, was it, I mean, maybe you just, you don't know yet. So, yeah, it was the, uh, it was the unresolved trauma from childhood. You know, dealing with not being, not feeling like I was liked enough growing up. Um, dealing with, you know, not being the fastest. You know, I also had relay races and track races on my team, and I was coming dead last. You know, not being the fastest, you know, not feeling like I was the smartest in school. So all the little problems that kept bottling up over the years, then I get to my junior college. Now I'm dealing with eating twice a day and, 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 and you know, sleeping in my car for two months, trying to figure out ways to, to still make a team and, and be proud of myself and find these little things. And they kept bottling up to my best friend passing away in 2010. All these things, man, that, and again, not even resolving them, just drinking about them, you know, and, and, and trying to find a way to do all these things while still going on and live my life. You know, and I couldn't. And after a while, you know, they went to the NFL, they got all these stressors coming. Now you got the unresolved trauma on top of the most recent trauma or you no know, issues and stresses. You know, they got people reaching out to you for advice and reaching out to you for things, you know, or, or just want to take a picture of what you or see you. And I had all these issues, you know, from growing up that I haven't dealt with it. So it was hard for me to go back and and to be like, you know, accepting to them, you know, and to be really like involved in that when I had all these issues going on. Yeah, that that's so looking back on that, I mean, if just anyone was 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 listening or, or asking for advice on that, I mean, what what do you say to someone? Because people have trauma from their from their past, right? Everyone Absolutely. probably does to some degree. Some people have way more than others, I'm sure. I'm I'm no psychologist, I don't know, but it seems likely to me that people have have trauma. I mean what, what do you, you know, how do you, how do you avoid that? I guess, if you will, if people come from a traumatic background or, you know. Don't avoid it. You know, don't, don't avoid it. it. Yeah, you don't avoid it. You got to deal with it. You know, you got you to you gotta dig deep to the root of the problem. You know, I think everybody has that inner child inside of them and it's surrounded by layers. You know, some of it comes from pain. Then it comes from, uh, you know, maybe some shame. Then outside of that, I might have some guilt. You know, then outside of that is the outlet, you know, which is going to be the drugs and alcohol to deal with those things. And outside of that, you got the reasonable adult, you know, which is telling you that I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know I should be maybe dealing with these traumas and these issues. And once we don't deal with them, you know, you know that that gorilla, man, he just grows. He just grows and grows until it gets on your back and it won't go off. 
crazy. So it's it's been, you said 89 days now, huh? 89 days, yeah. And that's incredible. I love the mindset you took that it was a training camp. I mean, that, yeah. that, that probably was a game changer for you, I would think, having that mentality and having been through that in the past. Absolutely, yeah. That, I, I, I relate everything to football. You know, that was my life, my whole life. So I relate everything I do on the outside to football. You know, I relate fumbling to, you know, having a bad day. You know, you don't think about the bad day. You know, I go think about that fumble. I might go out there and fumble again, you know, so take that bad day for what it is or that bad moment for what it is, and, you know, you come back the next, next day or the next play, you know, don't even think about it, just keep going, keep pushing forward. You know, I take the, the training camp as all the, all the resources and all the tools that we learn, you know, all the, all the things that, all the practice and the teachings, all the lessons, you know, all the losses, like turn the losses into lessons and make the next one the best one. Remember when we used to lose in Green Bay, Coach McCarthy, man, he would bring us back and we'd just go back to the beginning. You know, if we have a two-game losing streak, we go back to the training camp, day one installment, and work on those three, four, five, six plays and start from there. So we go to our next game plan with a basic playbook, you know, a basic game plan to be successful, you know, and that's what I try to use in my life too, which is when things get too much, too overwhelming, I just go back to the beginning. You know, I just start from there. I don't let it dwell on me. I don't try to add too much to it. You know, I just know I go back to the beginning. I focus on those first six. You know, my structure, I got uh, I got five key points. It's alignment, you know, knowing where you're supposed to be. You know, I've been in line. I got my assignment, knowing what you're supposed to do, right? You got your technique, you know, knowing how to do it. Then you got your execution, like running a play, you know, doing it. Then you finish. You know, you finish your play. You finish the task. You know, so you live by those five points, man. I try to keep that as structured as possible so that I don't get no, too high on myself, but I don't get too low. I just keep it even kill and keep it going. That, that that's pretty awesome. We're gonna, I'm sure we're gonna use that. Paul and I, Alex, we have these. We we call them our four pillars of success, and and we talk about them weekly. And you know, hearing something what you're just talking about, similar in a sense, and it keeps you focused on things, right? It keeps you doing things the right way. And if you do that, you you know, success generally follows. I've never heard the ones you just mentioned they're perfect football analogies of course <laughs> yep. but but i they obviously fit for for re, for really anything in life that's that's uh that's outstanding absolutely that's what's the oh no i'll say what's the uh, four pillars guys yeah, our, our our four pillars are truth you've always got to tell the truth you know people get people get so focused they get i i call them ide they get ideological they get so set on this is my mm. belief system, and I don't care if the facts disrupt it. I still believe it. You got to always seek the truth, even if it disrupts your belief system. Right. Meaning is the second one. You've got to have a purpose in life, right? You got to that reason to get out of bed. And, and you're talking about you're 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 in the you're you're playing professional football your last year, I think you said with the Jets, and, and you hated going in. Well, that's not meaning, right? That's the, that's the opposite of meaning. What you want is. What you're talking about when you're in Hamilton, you're glad to be there. You're mentoring people. You know, you're 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 a leader. That's meaning to us. So truth me, trade-offs is the second or the I'm sorry, the third pillar. Trade-offs is everything in life is a trade-off. Everything. I mean, if if you want to if you want to be on the uh, University of Hawaii football team, maybe you had to sleep in your car for a couple months, and maybe you had to take those classes. You want to do anything in life. You're trading one thing for another. The key is to make the good trade-offs, to understand what those trade-offs mean, right? You want to 
abuse drugs and alcohol to, to dull your pain, there's a trade-off there, right? It, it just, it's just the way life is. And the fourth one is perspective, which you have a tremendous amount of, it's obvious. You've gone through experiences. You see things for what they are. You, you're, you're, lo you're looking at things from different points of view. What you felt like at 21 and what you feel like it today and all you've been through provides you a level of perspective. You look at things, you can look at the same same situation today as you did when you're 21, and you, and you see it entirely differently because you have a different perspective. And our four pillars are if you understand those four things and live by them, success is sure to follow. I like that, man. So the true meaning, trade-off, and perspective. You got it. Got it. Exactly. I like that. Like so, so now we have points and pillars and and really the, the meaning between behind all that stuff is there's just so much noise and distraction out there that if if you don't have a concrete way to handle it right it you, you're going to drown in it and that's what i'm excited for you and it's it's amazing with athletics in general i mean did, yeah. did you come up with those or is that something that was given to you i wish i did i learned that uh in green bay Okay. That's what they. That's what they like installed in us day one. Was those oh, five for points. playing even. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, that yeah. was like training camp day one. Yep. It makes wow. perfect sense, but I mean, football, life, whatever, right? And I'm yeah. sure that's. Yeah. Sure. It applies. It applies to everything. To everything. Everything. I, I. 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 I love it. I love it. It's funny how after you've gone through what you've been going through, how you reverted back to that. And you use yeah. it, you use it, you use it now probably more than you ever have. More than I ever have. Like me, me, me being aligned is, you know, staying sober, you know, doing the right things, like taking care of the childhood trauma, going to my therapy, you know, reaching out. Um, you know, my assignment, you know, is my mission. You know, like what's my assignment? What's, what's my duty? And my duty is to make sure that my kids are taken care of, that they're living the best life possible, you know, making sure that I'm doing my due diligence in the community. No, that's my assignment. You know, make sure I'm providing, right, as a father, as a man. Um, you know, my technique is how I do it. Well, I'm going to do it sober. You know, I'm going to do it with integrity. You know, I'm going to do it passionately, and I'm going to do it out of love. You know, they like my, then it's, you know, it goes to the execution. Now I got my, my alignment, my assignment, my technique. Now it's just about doing it, executing, my execution. You know, now, okay, you got everything lined up. Now I'm going to play you know, get the ball in your hands and make something happen. And that's me going through life. That's me waking up every day and, and getting out of bed, getting ready to go into the real world. That's me running my play. That's me executing. But that's me doing these interviews, you know, going to my meetings, you know, and, and making sure my family is okay. You know, I want to see my daughter when she's having a bad day and bring her my favorite Applebee's, you know. And then, uh, you know, then I finish. You know, I make sure I don't just do it half fast. I make sure I finish the task, I finish the assignment, I finish the play, you know. And, and before I lay down, I, you know, I make a list every day. I do a, a word of the day. I do a goal for the day. I do my action to achieve that goal um, that I accomplished yesterday's goal and what I'm thankful for. Every day. I've been doing that since I was in treatment. And I took that with me when I got out of childhood. I do it every day. You know, and I have check-ins, you know, and, and every single day. So we do amends and affirmations every day. You know, you got to make amends to anybody. We, uh, we affirm somebody who's, who we basically show gratitude towards someone. Then we do we struggles. Are we struggling with anything? You know, like it might be I'm struggling to, you know, like with my sleep. I'm struggling to, to contact this person or send his email out. I've been paying off for some reason. Whatever we're struggling with. And then we'll do a uh, accountability. You know, 
what I'm almost accountable for. So my goal might be, okay, I got to send an email out. I got to call somebody to get to the job or interview. So I hold myself accountable for doing that. You know, or I hold someone else accountable who I'm talking to for doing whatever they goal was. So leave it at that, man, then I start my day, you know, and, you know, we show a lot of gratitude and got some goal-oriented. It, it, it keeps me it keeps me grounded and focused. Like how you guys are saying, you know, I have that meeting. It keeps me having meaning and a purpose when I'm going by my day so I don't get distracted, but by, by the outside noise. Perfect. Perfect. That's awesome. So, so we have to ask you, so what's next? I mean, you, you, I, I don't know if I should say what's the next training camp to you or, or what's next. What are your plans for the future or is like it that. just today? Uh, tell us, tell us what you're thinking. So first things first, man, it's me staying sober. That's the first things first. Um, the next thing, man, I got a foundation coming, Dream and Believe Foundation, you know, which we're going to pinpoint, uh, you know, student athletes that are struggling with learning disabilities, like how I went through. We're going to connect, we're going to bridge the gap between high school athletes and the coaches, you know, so they get more exposure. I came from a small city, didn't get much exposure coming out of high school. But then we're going to focus on drug and alcohol, you know, prevention and recovery. You know, so all the things that I've been struggling with in my life, man, we're going to come in and we're going to give back to the community and, and help the next generation. I also got a children's book coming out uh, called Dream and Believe, and it'll be AJ wants to play football. And so that'll be a uh, part of my little, really basically about like my story, how I came up about how kids, they got a dream, man. They can, you know, you got a dream, you believe in it, man. You can accomplish anything. So I grew up with big dreams, but I had dreams of being in the NFL. For a long time, you know, and it kind of faded as my life got on. But as a kid, man, it's all I wanted to do. Even on the basketball team, the coach asked me, what are you going to be when you grow up? I said, a football player. And I was one of the best players on the basketball team. like, football players? Like, yeah, you're a football player, you know. So I had to go outside, man, and fall on the grass at seven years old and get grass stains on my pants and run inside the house. Mom, look, I'm a football player, you know. So all I wanted to do, man, I had dreams, man, you know. So I know there's kids like that out there who got big dreams, too. So we're going we're gonna to make sure we touch their lives as well. Is absolutely incredible. I mean, you talk about uh, it makes it hard to look back on your journey almost and 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 say, I don't know if I'm saying it the right way, but anything should be different because look at all the good you're going to start doing. It was hard for me to, to even watch a football game for like two, three years. I couldn't watch a football game because I felt so much guilt and shame. You know, I should have done more. I should have been more focused. I'm here. I am living the best, live my best life. Living out my childhood dream and really here, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even taking full advantage of it. You know, and that ate at me for a long time, and that also helped me lead into, you know, avoiding a lot of issues and going to my drug addiction. But now, you know, I'm hopeful and grateful. Like, all those things made me the man I am today. So I love my flaws. I love who I am. Yeah. I love the adversity that I went through because I wouldn't be the person I am today, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful for the whole journey, man. Yeah. It's awesome. When, when can we? Where will we see the foundation and when will the book come out or is it still too soon? Uh, it's still soon. Uh, we're still in rough drafts on the book. Uh, it's, it's coming It's coming out though. Trying to get out by the end of this month of night to be out in March. Uh, foundation is coming out this month. It'll be out this month. So we'll get that rolling as well. We'll have a website, of course. and Absolutely, yep. yep. If you dream and believe, dream and believe uh, foundation.com. Nice. That's incredible. Yep. Hey Alex, we thank you so much for coming on, and and I'm I'm inspired listening to your story that the how you've embraced all the hardships and 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 just how you're going to do something good with it. I mean, I can't wait. The sky's going to be the limit for you, man. Not the limit, man. We're going to take this thing as far as we can, and we're going to do it one day at a time.
Yeah, Alex, you got a great attitude. We we appreciate it. You know, I'm I'm a huge believer in adversity. I think it is if you want to be the best best Alex Green, me the best Matt Huffnagel, Paul best Paul Richmond, I gotta have adversity. I gotta have things to overcome and and um, you know the way the way you're you're approaching your life right now is is uh, is inspiring, as Paul said. And look, you made a fan in me, that's for sure, and, and uh, I'm sure Paul as well. And uh, you know, we'll be we'll be watching and and in support of any way we can. And 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 I mean this, I mean this sincerely. I wish you the best, man. I, you seem like a great a great guy and a great father. And 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 you know, I I think. Uh, you keep doing what you you're doing. Um, you know your your football career hopefully will be a footnote compared to what your future is. You know, absolutely, man. God got his plan, so I'm just making sure I'm doing my due diligence and walking his path. But Paul, Matt, man, I appreciate it, man. I enjoy myself. Yeah, no problem. Now, since you've been on, just remember this isn't the last you're ever going to hear from me unless you block me. Okay, I'll, I'll be offended if this is my last time being on here, man. <laughs> hey, I'll, be, I'll be offended. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. All love. Y'all take it easy. All right, All right man. Take too, care. Man. Thank you. Take care. Good luck. Right. Bye-bye.